Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. What's that? You want to give back some value for the value you get out of Daily Tech News Show? No problem. Just head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, May 11th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from San Francisco this time, I'm Sarah Lane. Cavs and Six. I'm Len Peralta. He's obviously in Cleveland. And also joining us today, uh, Aaron Carson, staff reporter at CNET. Welcome back, Aaron. Thanks. Where, you're in Kentucky, right? I am in Louisville, one yes. week after Derby. So we've nice. got a little more of a, of a North American coverage today. This is good. Uh, and uh, yes, I, don't, I, I was almost about to say congratulations on the Derby, but I, I always watch it every year. It's fun to watch. I think that's fine. That's, that, that applies. Congratulations on a successful Derby. Uh, good job, Justify. All right. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Symantec warned Thursday that its annual report will likely be delayed due to an internal investigation launched by its board. Now, board members outside uh, outside advisors and independent counsel are all looking into concerns raised by former employee, a former employee, rather. Symantec didn't give details on the nature of the concerns, which probably makes more people even more concerned. Yeah. Is it financial? Is it me too? Is it security? It'll be very interesting to find out. Chairman of Sony Interactive Entertainment Worldwide Studios Sean Layden said on the official PlayStation broadcast that Sony is not going to have a traditional press conference at E3 this year. They're going to focus on four games, Death Stranding, Ghost of Tsushima, Spider-Man, and The Last of Us Part Two. They'll have a few other announcements for third-party and indie titles, but no hardware news from Sony this year. The E3 event takes place June 11th at 6 p.m. Pacific. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit ruled Wednesday that forensic searches of electronics devices by border agents without suspicion of a crime are unconstitutional. This is the first federal appellate case. I always get that wrong. Since the Supreme Court ruled in 2014 that certain border device searches require suspicion that the individual is actually involved in criminal wrongdoing. And Carnegie Mellon announced what it believes to be the first U.S. undergraduate degree in artificial intelligence starting this autumn. Students admitted to the computer science program can apply to enter the AI degree program during their second year. Now, a lot of universities offer specialization in AI, but they're part of another degree. Carnegie Mellon will actually offer a Bachelor of Science in AI, which would be 
kind of interesting to hang on your wall, I guess. All right, let's talk about a more, much more important uh, issue, Sarah, the Snapchat redesign. It's a big deal, Tom. Big deal. A Snapchat redesign is rolling out to iOS users now. Snaps and messages are chronological again. That was one of the big grapes that people didn't like about the new design. And then on the left side, you've got your you've you've got your your snaps. Then on the right side, stories from friends returns. Right side of the app versus left side, followed by subscriptions and then discover. You might recall that the redesign had everything all together and it was confusing a lot of folks. No word yet on when the update will come to Android, but one would assume that's pretty soon. A UGov survey that's related to this showed that user sentiment towards Snapchat declined 73% in the U.S. among 18 to 34-year-olds following the previous redesign. That's a big drop. And yes, it's it's still a, a certain segment of, of, of Snapchat's users. But going down to 18 years old is certainly, you know, digging into their bread and butter a lot. So if those people are upset, you got to do something about it. Yeah. And there's a lot of now, now, of course, as these things go on the Internet, like company makes unpopular move, tries to fix it, fixing move, criticized greatly. Uh, a lot of people are saying, well, you didn't fix everything. There's there's still these these interstitial previews uh, that I don't like and and this and that. But largely, I feel like this addresses the majority of the complaints. It'll be interesting to see if that those survey numbers bounce back up now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing to try and find the balance between making your users happy and rolling out something that is, you know, functional and, and works. But um, yeah, with with the kind of reaction we saw, it's probably probably a wise move. Yeah, and uh, Android people are like, great. Uh, when do we get it? <laughs> you know, for the record, I did not hate the redesign. I didn't think it was confusing. I could see that it was different, but I never really understood why people were that up in arms about it. But I did notice a decline in usage of my friends, which caused me to stop using it as much. So it is a bit of a snowball effect. Cascading effect. Google Duplex impressed a lot of people earlier this week, both positively and negatively, with that ability to mimic human speech patterns. Remember, it made a phone call that they played one to a restaurant, one to a hair salon. Thursday, Google clarified that the company is, quote, designing this feature with disclosure built in. And we'll make sure the system is appropriately identified. A lot of people were wondering, like, could this be used to spoof? Would it be used for spam, for robocalls, etc.? Google says for them anyway, they will let people know, hey, this is this is Google Duplex. They didn't detail how they do it, but they would do something to let people know. Now, The Verge said that initially at I.O., a Google rep told them that Duplex would not be available in states where the law requires all parties of a conversation to be aware they are being recorded. And of course, you kind of have to approximate some definition of recording to process what somebody says back to you over the phone. So that'll be interesting to see if this notification suffices to allow them to act, operate in all 50 states. And don't forget, a lot of people are saying this this is coming to Google Assistant. I mean, yes and no. They're, they're going to use it in a very limited circumstance later this summer, and they'll see how it goes from there. Erin, uh, what did you think of all of this? It was interesting to kind of see this play out. I think what really threw a lot of people is that... Um, Initially, during the keynote, they did not mention the bit about disclosure. And so, you know, it kind of uh, launched this question of, do I want to know if I'm talking to a robot? And do I have a right to know if I'm talking to a robot? 
I, I think I do. I think I would like to know that. I, I think we may grow to a point where it's not necessary and people will understand like, oh, sometimes I might be talking to a robot, but it is such a big change. I think at launch, any company that does this needs to, to say that. Uh, I, I don't know if we need a law about that or not. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, it depends on people start taking bad advantage of this if if the technology spreads. Uh, but I think it's just I think it's just good practice to say, hey, this is this is what you're talking to. And I think particularly when you have a situ- situation like this where it's designed to sound so human and has verbal tics like ums and ahs and mm-hmm, that uh, yeah, it would be it would be harder to to suss out. I think that even. Some of the spam robocalls that I get that have s- confused me. You know, there's that one woman who says, oops, sorry, I'm adjusting my headset. But it's like you hear that once and you're like, oh, that's a real person. And then the second time you get it, you're like, oh, OK, I gotcha. Like, it's very annoying. And I could see it going both ways. Yes, nobody wants a spam call. But if I'm trying to make an appointment somewhere, but, you know, at a legitimate place and and. I don't know, the person who answers the phone is, you know, talking to a machine instead of me and is confused. I just, I find, I think a lot of people find that irksome. But a little disclosure off the top, not a big deal. Yeah, Beatmaster in our chat room says, if you're a bot, you totally have to tell me. Kind of like cops. You have to tell me if you're a cop. <laughs> right. <laughs> you Moving have to on. Tell me if you're a bot. Steam released its VR hardware survey numbers for April, and Oculus Rift is in the lead at number one, although dropping from 50.62% to 49.33% of usage. The Vive rose from 44.06% to 45.14%. And then in a distant third, Windows Mixed Reality dropped from 5.32% to 5.04%. Yeah, and Windows Mixed Reality headsets are the ones that are less expensive, easy to set up. Uh, the problem has been they took a while to integrate with, with Steam VR, so they weren't even in this survey for a while. Uh, and that integration has been choppy, to say the least. And I feel like Oculus just leapfrogged ahead with the Oculus Go, which is 200 bucks for the base model, easy to set up, and and integrates right with its own own game store. Now, it doesn't integrate with Steam, so I'm not sure it'll show up on this yet, but uh, it is definitely going to change the playing field for those less expensive headsets. Erin, you've, you've been playing around with one. I have, yeah. I've had one here for about a week, and it's been kind of a pleasant surprise. I used to cover virtual reality for Tech Republic, and so I, I checked out of it a little bit over the past couple of years. Um, but like you mentioned, the price point is pretty friendly, and the idea that you know you don't have to kind of go all in on this expensive rig um, the thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to is maybe one day we'll get some, some haptic feedback in the, in the controller, but, uh, but overall, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a nice surprise. Yeah. I I've been playing around with one myself and I was really excited to take it on the plane until I realized there's almost nothing you can do offline. Even Facebook's movies aren't available without an internet connection, which I find baffling. Like why wouldn't Facebook's own store bought movies be stored to the device you can use plex if you have a, a nice plex library to bring that stuff in uh so it's it's not like there isn't any offline and some of the games are offline as well but i was a little disappointed by that researchers at uc berkeley are the latest to show a method for sending commands to voice assistants in a way that humans can't hear 
the Berkeley method hid ultrasonic commands in songs. So it might be a little static that you would notice, but you wouldn't actually hear words that you would understand. But the Amazon Echo, Siri, Google Assistant, they all would understand. So it's a way to hijack that. Uh, and, and a lot of these methods use ways to turn off the notifications first so that you don't hear them answering, you don't hear them acknowledging it. Uh, This is not the first time. Last month, researchers at the University of Illinois demonstrated ultrasound attacks from 25 feet away uh, so that you could actually carry out this attack at a distance. And the first researchers that we heard about were from Zhejiang University and Princeton teaming up on what was called the dolphin attack. Uh, That was the first of these inaudible attacks. But it really highlights that these smart speakers are getting popular enough uh, that researchers, at least, are looking how to break into it. And I'm glad it's researchers so that we can fix it. But there needs to be more security on these devices. Do you agree? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, it's really interesting. And um, when I was reading through, I was kind of you know, wondering about what some of the potential, um, I guess, use cases sounds terrible, right? But use cases would be, you know, yeah, right. in, the, in the future. Because um, they were talking a little bit about how you might have to launch one of these attacks through an open window because uh, it wouldn't, you know, penetrate through a wall or, um, you know, like you're saying, from a relatively close distance. So I would, I would definitely be curious. But like you said, it's you know, it's kind of a moment for us getting to the point with these uh, these devices that we, yeah, we really do need to build in some better security. And there, there's the stepstones towards that. There are there, are, you know, is the ability to recognize a voice and tailor the account access and tailor the the kinds of requests uh, that it anticipates to that. Um, but that's more of a feature of usability than a feature of security at this point. There needs to be a lot more done for security, I think. I mean, granted, most of these are in the home. And so if someone is not sneaking into your home, I mean, let's put it this way. If someone's sneaking into your home, there you have way more to worry about than just your voice assistant. But I guess add that to the list of things, right? That's true. Because, again, it's one of those um, one of those moments for... Did it cross any of our minds that this was even an option or could be uh, a way that our speakers would get hijacked, as they put it? Yeah, and I feel like we really do need to have the ability to say, hey, if it's not audible to the human ear, it's not a command, right? Same same as, as I, I think there ought to be a pretty easy way to tell if it's some, uh, saying the trigger word on a podcast versus actual, an actual person in the room. But. Australia's government asked that purchases costing more than Australian $10,000, which is about $7,500 US for those who like conversions, can no longer be made with cash after the summer of next year. The government says this is meant to encourage the transition to a digital society and also to help stop tax evasion. After July 1st, 2019, payments above $10,000 Australian dollars will need to be made by check or cart. $300 million will also be allocated to the Black Economy Standing Task Force to enforce the new rule. So this is another one of the, you know, in the continuing stories about moves towards cashlessness, although I have a feeling this is more about tax evasion. I think it's a nice lip service for the government to say, we're trying to be digital and innovative uh, and move right. towards a cashless society, when in reality, they they probably want to to just stop people from from getting around the taxes they say they think they can make something i don't know a a very large amount of money in stopping tax evasion by using this system 
That's true, because that's been a pain point of cash for a long time, that the bigger the value of the transaction and the more frequent transactions are just, you know, you add that to the list of reasons why people would prefer an electronic transaction over carrying around like walls of cash. Yeah, yeah. And and we've we've talked about Sweden, Finland, other, you know, countries where they are, are moving towards a cashless society. But even there, there are things that people don't want to give up cash for. Uh, I'm going to Australia for a couple of weeks. I don't think I'll be, I mean, it's, it's not in place yet, but I can't imagine buying something for $10,000. <laughs> Although I bet my Australian friends will point out that a lot of their software costs almost $10,000 versus the amount it costs in the U.S. because sometimes they have inflated software prices over there. Hey, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines. You can get it on the Amazon Echo, the Google Home, and in the Anchor app. Uh, or just find it as the RSS feed at dailytechheadlines.com. Let's talk about coding. Last week, Aaron, you wrote a story about uh, for CNET about a line of toys the kids can program for a mobile app to encourage them to learn coding. Uh, the toys have people that ride on small self-balancing scooters. So kind of like a mini Segway, I guess. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and kids can program the scooters to move around on their own. So you, you set the pathway, break the code and it adjusts the speed and the route and all of that. The scooters are called Siggy. The app is called sugar coded and the dolls are from a company called smart girls. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So tell us a little bit about uh, about these dolls and, and, and your experiences playing with them and, and who they're meant for. Sure. So, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, Smart Girls is like this line of, of fashion dolls that have these scooters that you can ride around. And you might have caught them on a November 
episode of Shark Tank. And basically the premise is that, you know, there are all these different efforts out there that exist right now to get everyone into tech jobs in the future. And some of the folks that we want to get into tech jobs are girls one day, you know? And so the the woman that founded this company, she had this experience with her daughter that her daughter had kind of lost interest in STEM fields. And she was trying to figure out, because she works in STEM herself, like, how do I get her interested again? And how do I get other kids like her kind of plugged back in? So it, it works on a on a fairly uh, object-oriented basis, right? Like you're not doing actual command line coding. You, you don't have to type in correct syntax. It, it's sort of moving around predefined blocks or something. Exactly, yeah. Um, there's a, a coding language called Scratch that's used a lot in education. And basically, you know, you have these little blocks that have these little commands on them. Um, you know, how far to go, how fast to go, whether to turn or not. And so it's this really kind of hands-on visual way um, that teaches you how to break down a task that you might want to accomplish. Now, Roger, I know that reminded you of, of a toy you had as a kid as well, a little more more simple in its implementation, but kind of the, the same principle. Yeah, so... When I was a kid, I wanted a RC car really bad, and my dad was going through the the line at what was Toys R Us when they were big, and he came across this toy, which is called the Big Tracks. Now the it's it's kind of like a remote control car, but also like a programmable calculator because on the back, if you notice, there's a keypad, and you could punch in up to sixteen commands in the back of this thing, and it would follow them. So you would say. Move up five spaces, and I think it measured a space like in a foot, so five feet up. And then you would put the the left, and then you would say four. So now I would move four over to the left. And it was a really fun, but also very kind of intrinsic and you know educational way of learning how to program. Because in, I, it seemed very similar once I started taking Logo and then up to Basic, uh, because a lot of the concepts are the same, right? You you set out what you want to do, you put all the commands in order, and then when you're ready, you execute the command. In this case, you press the go button, and it runs through. It's a very simple device, but it has such a following that people have started putting Arduino boards. They've put Raspberry Pis to kind of expand uh, the programming set that you can do with this particular object. Now, what's what's cool about both of these is they... They make it simple for for a child to grasp. Like, I understand now how to program. And then, like you said, Roger, you have this later revelation like, oh, I was actually learning to program, not just to program the toy. Uh, and, and in the example of Smart Girls, they have missions and storylines and companion ebooks to kind of keep it fun. Not not so that the kids don't notice they're learning coding, but it's not like, here, learn to code, write in this command line. It, it, it keeps it really interesting, right, Aaron? Yeah, and I think that that's one of the big underpinning ideas that you see in a lot of these coding toys is what can we do to create a spark of interest? You're not going to get one coding toy and commit to like a career in STEM at the age of eight or something. But if you realize that something is for you, that you can do it, you're interested in it, it might be a jumping off point. 
There are so many uh, so many games out there that take advantage of the accessories, right? Like, ooh, I can buy new clothing for my characters, or I I can buy food for my characters, and 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 I, I kind of like that aspect of this as well, where each doll has the ability to like change out their clothes and 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 create a storyline, which is a staple of of play, uh, but it's included in a way that again is almost stealth educational. Yeah, and that's one of the kind of cool things. There's five different dolls, and they each have their own interests. One's like a computer hacker, and the other one's supposed to be really good at chemistry, and one's into music. And there's kind of enough out there that, you know, their intent was that you could probably find a doll who looks kind of like you. You know, the the loner that they sent me had curly hair. I don't know if that's a coincidence, but I was like, <laughs> hello. They looked you up <laughs> online, like, send her that one. There you go. <laughs> well, it's it's fascinating because a lot of these toys work on the principle that kids learn not just by doing something and watching it do what you want, but also the tactile feedback, right? Like with with the big tracks, I could see it and I could physically feel it move. And so there was a, an immediate reward for doing you know, the 15, 20 seconds worth of work. Uh, or in this case, if you spent more time with it, you know, once you've learned to build your patience and your understanding and your expectation, time grows with it. So if you think, oh, if I spend 20 minutes figuring this out and I do it this way, you know, it's going to be super cool once it's done. And so there's there, there's the immediate reward of doing something simple. But as you get more complicated uh, programming, you know, uh, information in, it comes out with even a better response. And that just kind of drives you forward. Like, Oh, I want to go even further because what I can do is going to be super awesome. Yeah. I think that that's exactly it. You can't underestimate the value of that reward. And, and it is cool. Even, you know, I, uh, I, I took some coding in, in grad school and, and whatnot. So it's not completely new to me, but if I could get my doll on her Siggy to, you know, complete the mission and you see the little headlights come on and it kind of executes all the turns flawlessly. That's fun. Yeah. You caught all the hot dogs in Central Park or whatever. I got all yeah. the hot dogs. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and uh, participate in our Facebook group. What kind of uh, cool coding toys do you know of? Because there's others out there. I mean, Aaron mentioned in her story Goldie Blocks kits and storybooks that are based on engineering. Codable is an app where you guide alien fuzzballs on missions. Let us know about yours, facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Tech News Show. All right, Sarah, what's in the mailbag? We got an email from Becky. I missed the show yesterday, and I missed all of you very much, but Becky actually got me uh, caught up on at least one discussion. She said, the one about digital well-being, Justin alluded to a generational difference in how we perceive and value the permanence and flow of information on the internet. I used to work as an instructional technology coach where I taught teachers how to use different types of tech, spent a lot of time using Twitter as a tool, which is huge in education, but a lot of the teachers from the, quote, life before internet generation just could not grasp it and would get visibly stressed when I would sit down and try to walk them through how Twitter worked. They'd say, how am I supposed to keep up? I can't read all of this. I'm going to miss something important. So I had to start prefacing all of my training sessions with, 
It is impossible to read every tweet that comes to your feed. <laughs> you will miss things. That's okay. Everyone does. I don't think that's really helped, though, um, because some people just don't get it. As somebody who's also part of the Life Before Internet generation, I get stressed by notification overload myself and would love to see some more evidence-based tools or strategies to help alleviate this. And then Becky says some nice things about the show. One of my favorite things about the show is that everything is looked at through a critical lens. And I love that Tom, in particular, is always advocating for more research. I definitely hope to see more research being done around this topic of digital well-being. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I love that anecdote because I remember, I don't know if it was 2008 or 2009, like coming to the realization myself that I could no longer read everything on Twitter. Like I just, I had to change my approach to it, so... Yeah. I mean, I remember the days where I was all bent out of shape that I couldn't see every tweet that was coming in if if I and the person were not mutually following each other. It used to be that way. It was like truly a fire hose of nonsense. Yeah, right. But then, you know, imagining that happening today is like, I mean, my brain would explode. Yeah. And I still can't keep up on everything. We sort of. Yeah, I, I remember. um just sitting down and having time when I would try and make it through everything in my Google Reader account. Mm. And I could do that. I could, yeah. I could, I remember like, a time inbox my- I used Google Reader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. The same, same thing. Like, yeah, RSS feeds, all of that stuff. But we've grown up getting accustomed to that. It's different. Uh, also, Andrew wrote in and said, on Thursday's episode, you were talking about the FAA's cautious steps into drones, and Justin voiced the hope that they would create a division that is more agile and able to respond to a fast-changing industry. It turns out that they are! As part of their ongoing modernization efforts, the FAA has already had a pilot program trying to take a more agile approach to their work and development. You can read more about it at esc.gov. We'll have the full link in the show notes, as well as the FAA's website. I don't know if the drone project is part of this agile move or not, but only selecting a very small subset could play into that approach. Pick a few now, see what they learn, then start approving more faster. It just goes to show that if you ever say, why isn't somebody doing X, you might want to check because they may be doing that. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Hive yeah. mind. Come no, to the rescue that, again. For sure. Uh, and uh, thank you, Len Peralta, for illustrating the show today. What do you what have you been drawing over there? Well, you know, Erin mentioned uh, when she was talking about the top story that one of the reasons the uh, STEM doll was created is because the person was trying to get their daughter interested in STEM. And uh, I thought, well, how about this? What if the STEM doll could be programmed to take out other action figures? In this case, (laughs) like a Wookiee of, uh, you know, a doll, if you will, of a Wookiee. Used to be an action figure. Now we call them, you know, dolls. But uh, uh, so that's what this image is is uh, representing is a young young woman who's taking out a young man's action figure and saying it's not much of an action figure, quote unquote, Gerald. Gerald, so, uh, poor Gerald. So there you, yeah, Gerald. It's stuck in 1977 with his Chewbacca action figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so yeah, this is available in my online store right now. If you'd like it, by the way, if you order a physical anything from my store. Get you uh, some Munchkin CCG cards that are signed by me. Just got oh, very in the mail cool. today from Steve Jackson Games. Excellent. So run out there and do that. Go check it out. LenPeraltaStore.com. Thanks to Aaron Carson for being with us on this fine Friday. Aaron, let folks know where they can keep up with all the work you've been doing lately. 
You can find me on cnet.com or on Twitter. I'm just at Aaron Carson. Go follow Aaron. You'll learn all kinds of cool new things. Uh, and uh, if you're watching the video, you see that I got a cool new thing on my head because it's Hat Friday and I'm wearing my DTNS hat. And you could be too. Uh, we have hats, we have hoodies, we have shirts. They're all ways to show that you like the show and you want to support the show at dailytechnewsshow.com slash store. Big thanks to everybody on Patreon, which is the main way that the show exists. A uh, bunch of people, thousands of people just giving a dollar a month. That's $12 a year. If the show is worth a dollar to you, We'd love to have it. Patreon.com slash DTNS. And for the next couple of weeks, I'll be out of here. Sarah and Roger will be keeping things going. Scott, Justin, Patrick, everybody will be around. Len. But I'm going to be in Australia. I'll be doing one show while I'm there, a roundtable with Peter Wells and Raj Diyud about Australian tech. And I'm doing a couple of meetups. So if you'll be in Sydney on May 15th at 6 p.m., come by the Hearts Pub at the corner of Essex and Gloucester Streets. Uh, big thanks to D. Colville for helping set that up. And in Melbourne, Burn on Tuesday, May 22nd at 6 p.m. at Bartronica, 335 Flinders Lane. Uh, Pete Wells and uh, Raj Diyut will be there as well, and they helped me set that one up. So thanks to them, and thanks to you, and thanks to all of us, really. <laughs> well, Tom, we are not thrilled that you're going to be out of town, but I'm thrilled that you get to have a little break. We're not going to break the show in your absence. Don't no, you worry. you guys are going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Fun. You know, we might, you know might wreak a little havoc but oh, hey, hey that's, why the, not? that's the part of it if you would like to wreak havoc with no just kidding if you would like to email us our email is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com can't answer them all but we do read them we're also live monday through friday at 4 30 p.m eastern 2030 utc please join us live if you can you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live i won't be here monday but justin robert young will be talk to you then Ooh. he will this show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.